Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Rostein. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. And that leads us to today's topic. Hi, my name is Jennifer from Sacramento, and I'm calling because I have a couple of friends that went through postpartum depression, and I wanted to share some of the symptoms they were having. Um, Lack of sleep, um, felt like there was a lack of support. Um, One of them was having severe panic attacks, um, and the other one was having suicidal thoughts. So it's, it's a very scary situation. I've seen both of them go through this, so I'm hoping that you can provide Um, some relief or some resources maybe that they would have to help prevent this to others that might go through it. Hmm. Yeah, this is a really, you know, important and challenging topic. Yeah, absolutely. It's, It's really important because, you know, maternal depression can affect moms and babies' health before and after birth. It can? Yeah, it's one of the most common obstetric complications in the U.S. if left undiagnosed and untreated. Wow, that's impressive. It is. And in severe and untreated and unrecognized cases, like Jennifer was talking about, it can lead to thoughts of suicide or even suicide. Yeah, so this is a really serious issue. It is. In fact, suicide is the most common cause of death in new mothers. That's incredible. That's an incredible fact. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the contrasts I'm thinking about with perinatal depression is the expectations that surround birth. Yeah, what do you mean by that? So we think of pregnancy and new motherhood as such a joyful and beautiful and exciting time. Right, those are the expectations. And then when depression occurs, the divergence between the expectations and what's happening, how people are feeling, that's really really startling. It is. And being a new mom is so difficult and such a drastic life change. It can come with all of these changes, hormonal changes, the you know, the way that they're feeling. It's hard to express and difficult. So what is perinatal depression? That's a good place to start. Yeah. So with the definition. Yeah. But first, let's share what we mean when we use the term perinatal. Right. Because that's kind of a medical term, mm-hmm. right? So that's the period of time around childbirth. Right before birth, during the birth process, and immediately after birth. So then perinatal depression... Is typically a period of time when symptoms appear anytime during pregnancy. Or afterward? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually within four weeks of delivery. And I've heard of even longer periods? Right. A lot of professional organizations have expanded this time period to include the full 12 months following delivery. And I've heard a bunch of other terms used to describe perinatal depression. Right. Um, In our call, she said postpartum depression. I frequently hear that. Maternal depression. Or prenatal or postnatal depression. And then sometimes what we hear to refer to as quote-unquote baby blues. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the baby blues. No, because almost I think all moms have the baby blues, right? We don't—that is totally normal. That is expected. Mm -hmm. But the depression is something— on its own. Perinatal depression is really an umbrella term. Mm-hmm. It means that the depression can occur prenatally before birth. And also postpartum after birth. Mm-hmm. So how common is it? Well, it's estimated that 15 to 20 percent of new mothers are affected. So that's a lot. It is. What are the signs of perinatal depression? First, it's important to recognize that most mothers, like we talked about, will experience emotional ups and downs. And that's normal. Totally normal. This is the baby blues. So when should people really be concerned about it? 
Well, if their sad feelings don't go away or they have unusual anxiety or worry, excessive irritability, crankiness, or eating and sleeping much more than you used to or trouble with insomnia. Any other signs? Yeah, they can have difficulty concentrating, remembering things, or making decisions. But many of these symptoms are also common when you're adjusting to a newborn baby. Right. I mean, you kind of hear that baby brain that moms talk about. You know, if if you were totally normal and well-adjusted after you've had a newborn, please tell us your secrets because <laughs> uh-huh. we can make a lot of money after that. Right. But it's important to take into account how intense and severe and lasting these symptoms are. So how long they last is important. Mm-hmm. If the symptoms are lasting over two weeks, then that can be a concern. Are there any less common symptoms? The other important signs are loss of interest in self-care. Like dressing or bathing? Mm-hmm. Or not feeling up to doing everyday tasks. What about frequent crying, even about just little things that occur? That can happen. So can feelings of anger, withdrawing from people that you're close to. Even from the baby? Right. A lack of interest in your baby, you're feeling extremely disconnected from the baby. What about loss of pleasure or interest in things that you used to enjoy? Mm -hmm. And in some extreme cases, you can have a fear of hurting your baby or other family members or even yourself. Hmm. Is perinatal depression commonly diagnosed? We think that doctors aren't aware enough, um, and it's estimated that 50% of women with perinatal depression go undiagnosed. That's incredible. And if they're not diagnosed, then they're less likely to be treated. Right. And that's why it's so important for um, moms themselves, as well as physicians, to be aware of this. So if mothers with perinatal depression aren't treated, then this may affect the mother as well as the newborn baby. Yeah, of course we want our mothers to be taken care of and feel better. And we want the best mother-child relationship also. Right, because maternal depression during this time can hinder bonding between the infant and the mother. And then this can hold back healthy attachment between the child and the mother. Yep, and that can lead the mom to have a distorted perception of the infant's behavior. So it really may impair the mom's attention to the baby. Yeah, so that some mothers may be less likely to be able to follow through on the many recommendations that we give to promote an infant's health. Mm -hmm. What other effects does perinatal depression have on the baby? It's actually a form of toxic stress for infants as they get older. So we better define toxic stress. Yeah, definitely. Toxic stress is a response that can occur when a child experiences a strong, frequent, prolonged, adverse event without adequate adult support. And so in this case, the perinatal depression may lead to neglect of the child? It doesn't even have to be that dramatic. So what what do you mean? Just having a depressed parent can alter the way that they care for that child physically. Hmm. So they may not have the healthiest emotional interactions with the baby. Right. So there may not be as much talking to the baby, cooing, or playing. Right. All the things that we've talked about in our play episode that are so important for a child's healthy development. Then this toxic stress that may result from perinatal depression can affect an infant's brain development. Yeah, and cause problems with family relationships and relationships down the line. Yeah, I can see that. And it also affects breastfeeding. Which also involves attachment. Right. And you're not just talking about physical attachment of the baby with the breast. (laughs) No, no. I mean, attachment between the mother and the baby in terms of bonding. Right. So perinatal depression can affect bonding, which subsequently could impair successful breastfeeding. And that has so many benefits for the child. Right. Just to name a few, it helps with their immunity. It decreases the risk of asthma and allergies down the line. Decreases ear infections, respiratory illnesses, diarrhea, urinary tract infections. Right. And lowers the risk of sudden infant death syndrome. 
And it improves IQ scores. Makes babies smarter. Yeah. So, and there's also the benefits to the mothers, too, of breastfeeding. Tons. But let's not get too sidetracked. We're just emphasizing how perinatal depression might have a whole host of really negative downstream effects. On mom and baby. And that's why this is so important. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about possible negative effects that um, postpartum or perinatal depression can have on the baby. Mm-hmm. But it's important to remember that mothers with depression are still great parents. Right. So they're, the babies still love their moms. And the moms are trying to do the best that they can for their babies. Right. It's just that the symptoms of depression may make it more difficult for the mothers. So treating depression can have a whole bunch of benefits for the mom. So far, we've focused on mothers and perinatal depression. Yeah, that's typically the association we make. But I've heard in the news more recently that this can affect fathers, too. Yeah, there is a lot of emerging research about this. So how common is this among fathers? About 10% of fathers can have perinatal depression. And how does this affect the baby? Well, if the father has perinatal depression, then this emotional state can adversely influence the child's development and well-being in a similar way that we talked about the moms. Mm -hmm. So it's important to support fathers as well as mothers in terms of perinatal depression. Yeah, and to make sure that the depression is identified. So then it can be treated. And this will benefit the mother and the father. And the baby. Exactly. Okay. So are some parents more at risk for perinatal depression? Yes, but it's definitely important to know that perinatal depression can affect any parent. So women shouldn't, shouldn't feel that it can't happen to them if they aren't at high risk. Right, or the opposite, that it's going to happen to them if their mother had it or they had it with their first child. Right, or that women who have risk factors, if they have one or more risk factors, it doesn't mean that that depression will occur. Exactly. So who is more at risk? Well, the cause is multifactorial. So there's many different factors that can contribute mm -hmm. to it. And what are they? The two main ones seem to be genetics and stress. So if someone in the family had perinatal depression or depression unrelated to birth... There's a higher risk if there's a personal or family history of depression. Okay, and what about the stress? Many kinds of environmental stress can increase the risk of depression. So environmental, like pollution or smog? <laughs> I don't know about that, but definitely the living environment. So the living environment. So if there's like marital discord or family violence. Yep, that increases the risk of perinatal depression along with factors such as isolation, poverty, chronic illnesses. And I seem to recall that younger mothers are at higher risk also. Yeah, young maternal age is at higher risk for perinatal depression. Then teen moms are at higher risk. Right. Okay, any other risk factors? Mothers that have multiple births. Like twins or triplets. Mm -hmm. So that can be very stressful. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that would be stressful. Um, or moms that have a preterm delivery or a baby in the neonatal ICU. That can be very stressful. Yeah. yeah. What about when parents have maternity leave and then it ends and they have to return to work? Yeah, that's a good point. That separation can be stressful and can also increase the risk of depression. Are there any um, child factors that increase depression? Yeah, infants that have very difficult temperaments can increase stress at home and thus increase the risk of developing perinatal depression versus a very easy baby. So like a, a fussy or a baby or one who cries colic, a lot or yeah. colic. Yeah. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about risk factors for depression, but I want to emphasize that perinatal depression, like I said before, can affect any parent. Any age or socioeconomic background. Any race. Or any pregnancy or birth. Mm-hmm. So how can we address the problem of perinatal depression? Well, for parents, the biggest thing is they need to be aware of how common a problem this is. And it can affect anyone. Right. And they need to be familiar with the signs and symptoms of depression. And then they can see their doctor for treatment? 
Yeah, or talk to your child's pediatrician. Because seeking help is really a step towards feeling better. Right. What about doctors? They can surely do better with so many moms and dads being undiagnosed. Yeah, doctors definitely need to be more aware of this. And to know that it can affect anyone. Even though some women may be more at risk than others. Okay, so we want doctors to be able to better help and support mothers with depression. And mothers will appreciate that support. And what about screening parents for perinatal depression? This is recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics and other organizations such as the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. These are the two main pediatric and OB-GYN professional organizations. Yeah, the AAP and ACOG. Okay, so when are the recommended obstetrician screenings? Screening should be at least once, generally during the comprehensive postpartum visit that the mom has. Okay, so that's the visit to the obstetrician after birth. Correct. In fact, in California, where we practice, there's a law that requires screening of moms. What's required in California? It states that the obstetricians should screen at least once during pregnancy and once postpartum. And if treatment is needed? All health systems need to provide case management to ensure that the mom gets adequate treatment. So what happens during the comprehensive postpartum obstetric visit? They do a full assessment of mood, emotional well-being, including screening for postpartum depression and anxiety. And how is this done? They use a validated screening tool. It's a questionnaire. And what's this questionnaire like? So the screening questionnaires may consist of 2 or 10 or 20 or more questions. And so these ask about how often mothers experience Mm -hmm. various symptoms of depression? Mm -hmm. And then they're scored. And depending on the score, the mother is then referred for further evaluation and possible treatment? Or in some cases, the obstetrician may begin treatment if the mother chooses to do so. And what about pediatricians? I'm glad you asked that. Because that's us. We're pediatricians. <laughs> we are pediatricians. And parents bring their babies to see us for their health care. Right. And it puts us in such a prime position to screen moms for this. And because we have an ongoing relationship with the parents. Right. And we see them frequently. You know, we see them at two weeks and one month and two months and three. You know, we see them a lot. And so we want to make sure that they have this happy, healthy bond. Okay. And because then they'll be in a better place to make sure that their newborns are healthy. Yep. And we'll optimize their growth and neurodevelopment. So how do pediatricians screen for perinatal depression? So the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that we screen during the infant's well visits at one month, two months four months, and six months of age. So that's four different times. Right. And if they find or suspect that the mother is depressed? Then we should talk with moms about the results of the screening and what this might mean for them. And then refer the mother for further evaluation and treatment. Right, because that's a whole different area than we are really experts in. So pediatricians need to identify systems of mental and medical care and support for the mothers. And sometimes the mother may not have a healthcare provider that's comfortable in diagnosing or treating perinatal depression. Then pediatricians need to be able to identify resources in the community. Right, exactly. So what happens if perinatal depression is not treated? The symptoms can last for weeks to months or even years. And then that'll have those downstream effects on the baby Mm -hmm. that we talked about. Yeah. So what is the treatment for perinatal depression? So there are a range of treatments. Like? The the right treatment for depression will be specific to each individual. Okay, but what are some of the options? The most effective treatments are a combination of mental health therapy as well as antidepressant medications. And what's the next most effective? Either one or the other alone, so counseling or medication alone. Okay, but both of these treatments are more effective than no treatment, right? Right. 
So I've heard some mothers be reluctant to take medication because they're breastfeeding. I think it's really important to think about this because I've heard that as well. Okay, because some medications may end up in the breast milk. Right, and then they're worried that their infant is going to be exposed to these medications if they're breastfeeding. And then that might cause side effects in the baby. Right. There are three risks that we need to think of when we think of moms who are considering taking medication while breastfeeding. Which are? First, the side effects to the mother. Of course, think about possible side effects for the patient that we're treating. And second, we need to think about possible medication side effect transmission through the milk and the effects on the infant. And third, we need to weigh the risks and benefits to the mom and the infant if the mother goes untreated, so stays depressed. Mm-hmm. So some medications are safe to take while breastfeeding, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so including antidepressants? The most commonly used antidepressants for breastfeeding mothers have a very low risk of side effects to the infant. Are they transmitted to the babies by breast milk? The transfer of medications into the breast milk is very low. Okay. So the absorption by the infant is even lower than that transfer. So it sounds like there's a very low risk of side effects for the babies. Right. In fact, these medications are usually transferred in such small amounts that they are virtually undetectable in the infant. So what's the bottom line about antidepressant use for breastfeeding mothers? It's clear that the benefits of treating the depression far outweigh the risks to the infant. And the mother. And the mother. Okay, so that's pretty clear. Anything else? Yeah, regardless of specific treatments, mothers need to support getting this care and staying in treatment. So like support groups? Yeah, these might be right for some mothers. What about family and friends? Maybe, depending on their level of trust with these people. Okay, so that leads me into um, thinking about another important obstacle regarding depression that we really haven't talked about at all. Yeah, what's that? So the stigma of mental illness. You're right. I'm really glad you brought that up. So there's many negative attitudes and beliefs toward people with mental health conditions such as depression. Yeah, and this can lead to discrimination. It can be really obvious and direct, like someone making a negative remark about mental illness or saying you're crazy or something like that. Or people being judgmental about a mother's fitness as a parent. Right, and we know that depressed mothers are not bad parents. Or it could be unintentional or more subtle, like avoiding a person with depression. So how can we overcome this? Attitudes are changing, and there are several excellent public health efforts to educate the population about this. What about on an individual level? Some who have perinatal depression are reluctant to accept this or get the treatment that they need. But then they'll stay depressed without treatment. Right, but the fear of being labeled as someone with depression needs to be overcome in order to get healthier. Because this fear of being labeled can be so powerful that they may rather feel the symptoms with the possible effects on the child. Mm -hmm. So it's important for those who do seek depression screening to be non-judgmental. So all of us as healthcare providers, all family members should be non-judgmental. It's an amazing step that the mom is taking. Mm -hmm. And then the same goes for those to whom the mothers disclose their feelings, friends or family members. Right. They need to be supportive. So I'm thinking that this may be even more important for some mothers. People from racial or ethnic minority communities might feel even more fear that health professionals will judge their parenting to the point of implying that they're endangering their babies. And it's important to know that depression is not a sign of weakness. Or failure, or the ability to be a good mother or care for your child. Mm -hmm. It's not the mother's fault. No, definitely not. So let's summarize some of the main points about perinatal depression. All right, so it's common. It occurs in about 20% of new mothers. And 10% of fathers. It can be serious. And have serious consequences for the mother. And the baby down the line. And the whole family. In particular, for the newborn, perinatal depression can lead to problems with bonding and attachment. And this may lead to developmental, behavioral, and physical health problems later in childhood. 
and depression can cause problems in other important areas such as breastfeeding. The symptoms of perinatal depression include sad feelings that don't go away or unusual anxiety or worry. Excessive irritability, crankiness, eating or sleeping too much. Or insomnia, difficulty concentrating, remembering things, or making decisions. Although it may be common for new parents to experience these signs or symptoms, it's worrisome if they last for two weeks or longer. Mothers and fathers should seek help if they think they might be depressed. And obstetricians and pediatricians should be screening for perinatal depression at their visits. Treatment is available. And treatment is a step towards regaining energy and a sense of emotional well-being. Every expectant or new mother deserves this. Right, because parenting is hard even when you're at your best. So that reminds me of a joke. Really? So you know the one about the father who kept trying to keep his wife happy during labor by telling jokes. Oh no, that sounds awful, but I don't. Okay, so he kept telling jokes, but she didn't laugh once. Why? It was the delivery. That's a good one. (laughs) Okay, so we thank Dr. Eric Fernandez C. Garcia at UC Davis Children's Hospital for reviewing today's topic, although Dr. Lena and I take responsibility for any errors or misinformation. That wraps up today's episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information at our website, blog.ucdmc.ucdavis.edu slash kids hyphen considered. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we'd love to hear from you. Please call us 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. Do you know anyone that has had perinatal depression? I don't, but, um, you know, getting actually what we didn't do this time is get back to what Jennifer said. Yeah. And she had the two friends, and one of them was really serious. She said that they were suicidal. So obviously that's really a concern. My grandma, Mm -hmm. who is 95 now, Mm -hmm. so, um, and had my uncle, you know, he's in his 60s now, he just retired, um, was actually institutionalized after she had him. No, really? Yeah. And she actually got insulin shock therapy. Wow. Which we just for people that are not in medicine mm-hmm. don't know about. It's like um, something that we would never, we don't do anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. they occasionally do um, ECT mm-hmm. um, for severe depression, but it's basically... That's electrical therapy. Yeah, electrical mm-hmm. therapy. But um, it basically drops your blood sugar that makes you have a seizure. Um, and then they feel like that is, con- you know, um, helps with depression. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she had probably, I imagine, obviously I wasn't there, but typical symptoms of postpartum depression after having you know this was her third child but it must have been quite severe if she was institutionalized right right. and um and so it is that you know i will look out for it when i start Mm -hmm. having kids because you know my mom had much you know more mild but my dad said definitely had postpartum depression after Mm -hmm. i was born um and then i have that history with my grandma so it's something i'm gonna is gonna be on my radar for Mm -hmm. sure um Mm -hmm. And I hope to have medical providers that will screen appropriately, but mm-hmm. at least I know to look out for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a, incredible to think about because we know, we've talked to parents, we know how mm-hmm. difficult it is just have, if everything goes perfectly, 
with pregnancy and birth, yeah. that's still an incredible challenge. Yeah. And then to add this on top of that, it's really yeah. almost unimaginable to have yeah. to go through this on top of all that. Right, right. So we hope our moms and our loved ones will always, you know, support people going through this. And, you know, you can screen your loved ones too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just check in, see how they're doing. We also mentioned um, some of the public health ef- efforts mm-hmm. um, related to decreasing the stigma of mental health. And now remind me, it was one of the royals talked about it a year or two ago. Do you remember that? Was it Prince William? I don't know. Oh, okay. You're obviously in pop culture more than I am. <laughs> one of them talked about it and talked yeah. about um, that they that um, that people should they they did an interview with the BBC and said yeah. you know pe- this mental health issue is a real issue people need to talk about it yeah it's not something that should be just hidden away swept under the rug no and so I thought it was very impressive to yeah. have uh, one of the royals um, talk about that I thought definitely definitely so All attitudes right. are changing attitudes are changing and we we like it. <laughs>